I got the countdown to fall on. I'm one of those guys that are on Instagram. I'm posting pictures of my pumpkin coffees, my... I'm getting thrown stuff. I've never had that before. I'm... People are throwing things at me. I better, I better be careful. I'm going to stand over here. So fall, it's a beautiful time of year, isn't it? You know? It's like, what, eight days or so, seven days to September for six days or something like that, right? So I'm going to break out the pumpkin coffee really, really soon. You guys are all excited with me, right? Yes. yes, pumpkin coffee, pumpkin muffins, all that good stuff. All right. But we'll enjoy the summer while we still got it, of course. So I'm just going to pray one more time because prayer is always really, really good, isn't it? Yeah? Prayer's good? So, Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you what you're going to do in this place this morning, Father. And I just bless everybody here this morning that they're going to laugh at my, my jokes this morning, that they're going to be vocal this morning. Nobody's going to be falling asleep on me this morning, Father. And we're just going to have a lot of fun. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So I, I like it when people are vocal, and I, I don't care so much for people throwing food at me, but, but being vocal is very, very good. So, again, I just encourage you to be vocal this morning and give me a big shout of amen, because it's, it's about me, and I like feeling really, really good. So, I don't want to leave here this morning feeling like, oh my goodness, like, what, what was that, you know? So, I encourage you to make me feel good this morning. Yeah. God makes me feel good. So, this morning, I want to talk about wanting more of God, okay? This is something, like, when I first became a Christian, I was so hungry, to get to know more of God. When I, when I became a Christian in my early 20s, you know, I'd pick up the Bible, I'd be reading the Bible, and I was just like, oh my goodness, this stuff can't be real. You know, I grew up in a Catholic, Catholic school, so like, yeah, I, I knew some of like the more popular stories, like David and Goliath, you know, I knew those kind of things, right? You don't need to be a Christian, I think, to know that kind of story. But when I was reading about Gideon and, and Samson and stuff like this, I'm like, talk, talking to Amy, I was just like, this, this can't be real. Like, I was so excited. You know, and I would read my Bible before bedtime, and it was a good thing to do, but a bad thing to do, because I was always so excited. I was, like, boiling up inside with excitement, and I could never fall asleep, because I just wanted to read more of the Bible. So I was, like, really running low on sleep, like having a newborn now, running low on sleep, but in another way. But, you know, I was just so excited, right? And so what God's been speaking to me is about finishing the race really, really well. You know, and trying to keep that hunger on that we have when we first accept Jesus into our life. We're just so hungry for more of God. And how do we do that? How do we, you know, keep that hunger going, right? For some of us, that hunger can, like, leave within, like, you know, a few months, six months. Sometimes it's a few years, right? But God is for us, right? God is for us. He wants us to finish this race really, really well. Okay? So say God is for us. Okay? I love this statement. It's, it's uh, I don't know who said it. I don't think I've made it up, but I'm going to say I made it up, all right? It's being satisfied with being completely unsatisfied. So being satisfied with being completely unsatisfied. And I think it's one of those things we need to, to come to realize is that in our life, God is so much bigger than we can ever comprehend. Right? You know, we, we leave jobs quite often in our lifetime. Why? Because we're looking for a new challenge. We're looking for something more, right? We get bored doing the same thing over and over again for some of us, right? 
We need to be challenged. Our brains need to be challenged. Our hearts need to be challenged. And so it's that desire that God's put in our hearts is to want more, is to experience more in our life. New adventures, new challenges, right? Uh, I think a new challenge for me is just going to be going to the grocery store now with four kids, you know? Because, again, I'm a nice husband. I'm going to want to give Amy a break. And I'll be like, yeah, I'll take all four kids out to the grocery store. And, you know, that's going to be, a, it's going to be interesting, you know? So I think that's going to be a new challenge for me. Oh, but honestly, like in May, I went to Yellowstone National Park. Absolutely amazing trip. Amazing wildlife. Buffalo, bears. You know, it was like a dream trip for me. Somebody who loves the outdoors. You couldn't ask for a better trip than that. But I came home, and I was already excited for the next adventure. You know, I came home, I was already like, where am I going to next? Amy's not in here, I don't think, right now, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to pick on her, but she's not here. But I joke around with her, and like, when I turn 40, I'm like, I'm going to Alaska. You know, I'm going to go to the National Park in Alaska. And, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but there's like 20,000-foot mountain in, in Alaska, right? And I'm like, I'm going to climb that on my 40th birthday. And if you know me, I am terrified of heights. So I'm like, Amy, it gives me six years to come up with the funds to pay a guide, because that's going to be like five or $6,000, you know, or something more than that, maybe, for all I know. But it gives me six years to get over my fear of heights. So she laughs at me, but I'm going to prove her wrong, okay? So you guys can pray for me for like the supernatural thing of fear of heights. Uh, I have, um, you know, my house at home, I have uh, like this 10-foot roof kind of thing like that. It starts off at that. And we've had this raccoon problem this past week. And so I've had to go up on the roof. And I'm like shaking like a leaf. You know, I'm only like 10 feet up in the air, but I'm like, I just can't handle this. And in the back of my mind is like, how am I going to climb this 20,000-foot mountain if I'm scared of a 10-foot foot roof, you know? So pray for me, guys, okay? All right, but yeah, we need to come into this life. All right, we need to realize that we need to be completely satisfied with being unsatisfied because there's more to God, okay? We're going to get into the scripture here right in... Um, Mark 10, if you have your Bibles here, Mark 10, 46 to 52, I'll read it out for you guys. God is so good. I uh, was like, I'm going to bring a coffee with me this morning, and I forgot it. I left, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot my coffee this morning, but somebody brought me a coffee, so God, you know, he just supplies, you know? It's, it's amazing how, how it works, but it's good. So don't mind me, I'm going to have water and coffee up here. So Mark 10. It's the story of blind Bartimaeus, okay? So 46 here, it says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Verse 52, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I'd rather be around people that want more of God 
than being around people that don't want enough of God. Absolutely love this story. What made Jesus stop? It was Bartimaeus' hunger, right? It was that passion that made Jesus stop. And I love it because Bartimaeus is not, he's not worried about what other people think about him. You know, he's not worried about looking like a fool, not, look, not worried about looking foolish in front of all these people around him, right? He's shouting out to Jesus because he knows who Jesus is. He knows that this is my one opportunity. And he's like, I'm going to give it everything I have. I'm going to get Jesus. I'm going to get my healing, right? And people, of course, I'm sure we all have friends in our lives that are like, you're embarrassing me right now. I just want to give you a little, like, tap in back of the head there, you know, so be quiet. You're embarrassing me, right? This guy's shouting, right? And people are telling him to stop. They're rebuking him, right? Be quiet. Like, you're making a fool of us all. And what does he do? He shouts all the louder. He's like, I am going to get this. I am hungry for more. There's more to life than this, right? And I absolutely love what Jesus does. You know, Jesus is obviously a very smart guy, right? Jesus is like, what can I do for you, right? What do you want? It's like, well, Jesus, he's, he's blind, you know? He doesn't want a new car or a new motorcycle or something like that, you know? But Jesus asks him, what do you want, right? And Bartimaeus, he's obviously thrown his cloak aside. His cloak was his identity, you know? If you know a bit more about the history of that, his cloak was his ticket to be able to be a beggar on the street there. And he throws that aside. His old life, you know, is gone. Jesus heals him. And what does he do? He goes and follows Jesus. Second Kings 2, uh, verses 1 to 10. I'm going to paraphrase this for you guys. Uh, but again, amazing story about Elijah and Elisha. And three times Elijah tells Elisha to stay put. You know, Elijah's like, I got to go into town right now. You just stay here. You know, and three times Elisha's like, surely as God lives, surely as you live, I'm never going to leave your side. Right? And in verse 9, Elijah's like, okay, what can I do for you? What do you want? And Elisha says what? He's like, I want a double portion of what you got. He's so hungry for what Elijah has that he's not leaving aside, right? You think being obedient sometimes would be like, okay, the guy I'm following here, you know, I'd, I'd listen to that. He's like, just stay put. I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to that, you know? And, but Elisha's like, no, you know, I am not leaving you until I get what you got and I want more of what you got. And so Elijah's like, all right, you've asked for a tough thing, but you know, if you see God take me away, then you're gonna know that you've received what you've asked for. And does he get it? Of course, right? And another story, Jacob, you know, he fights, fights the angel, right? He's fighting God in the tent. And it's happening all night. And all of a sudden, you know, the man's like, I, I got to go. It's, it's sunrise here. And he cripples him, right? He's like, the only way I'm going to get away from him is if I cripple his leg, right? And when you think about that, I'm like, is that a blessing? I don't know. But Jacob wanted that blessing so bad that he was willing to fight all night. And if you've ever done any sort of like wrestling or boxing or anything like that, it's exhausting, right? Three minutes, five minutes, like you're just exhausted. And this was happening for hours and hours and hours. He was so hungry for his blessing. He was so persistent, 
for that blessing, that he wasn't willing to give up until he received it. And the beautiful thing with, with what happened, right, is going to be a constant reminder. Every time he takes a step, he's walking on a limp, right? But it's a constant reminder his whole life of his blessing, okay? People see that, right? They know, oh, Jacob, what happened to him, you know? I just saw him yesterday. He wasn't walking like that yesterday. And then it's a story, right? It's a testimony, of a blessing from God, right? It's this constant reminder that he's never going to forget. People will not forget that because it's a physical reminder every time they see him that God blessed him, right? Because he is hungry for more. So we need to be persistent, okay? Look to the person beside you and say, we need to be persistent. All right, we can say a little bit more passionate than that. We need to be persistent. I'm being persistent right now. Okay? I think sometimes we, we give up really easy. You know, we, we give up. It's like we expect when God's in things, we expect things just to fall into our lap. Right? We're like, yep, if God's in it, it's just going to be like that. It's going to come really easy. But sometimes it doesn't, does it? You know, sometimes we need to persist through it. Sometimes we need to fight for that blessing, right? Sometimes what we think is being obedient maybe isn't being obedient, right? We need to hear from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying about this? You know, my teacher here is telling me to, to stay put, but Holy Spirit, what are you saying, right? We need to be persistent. We need to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. We have uh, friends in London, England, and they were starting a Catch Fire Church in England, and they were moving houses because they felt like God was like wanting them in this certain area, and they found this house that they really, really liked. It was perfect for their young family. It was close to school and stuff like that, but every door closed for them to get this house, but they're like, no, God is in this. They kept persisting for it, and they had this super major financial miracle. God op suddenly opened up all these doors, right? But again, if they were like kind of just watching the signs so much, when every door closes, you think like God's not in it. But then all of a sudden they persisted through it, and a breakthrough happened. When hunger meets heaven, something happens right? When hunger meets heaven, something good happens. Philippians 3.13, it says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. You know, the gospel is so much more than just a jail at a free card, right? There's so much more to the gospel than just a jail at a free card, right? The Christian walk, there's so much. Forgiveness is amazing and it's extremely important, but it's so much more than just forgiveness, right? God is so much more than anything we can comprehend. I came across this quote, which was challenging me at first, but it's really good. It says, what you were saved for is more important than what you were saved from. And at first I was like, I don't know about that. But what you were saved for is more important than what you were saved from. And the more I thought about it, I was like, that's really good. You know, we love hearing testimonies of people's lives being transformed. Absolutely love it. I love hearing when people come to Jesus. You know, it's amazing, right? But that's just the start of their journey. It's the start. It's the beginning of their story. God's created each and every one of us for an amazing adventure. And I was just like, then when I started thinking like that, it made sense to me. That each and every one of us were created for more. Wanting more, experiencing more. So when we first accept Jesus into our life, that is just the beginning of the story. Yes, it's amazing and absolutely incredible. 
but you were created for more. And I think sometimes we need to redefine what living a great life means. You know, I think sometimes we think that we need to be the saviors of the world. We need to like be going across all the nations, seeing revival happen. If I'm not seeing those things happen, then I'm not living a great life. But maybe living a great life is giving those last few dollars you have in your pocket to somebody who could really use it, making a difference, right? Maybe living a great life is going over to somebody's house that you know could use a friend right now. Maybe living a great life is, is making a meal for somebody that you know could really use a meal, right? That's when you shout amen to that, okay? <laughs> but you were created for something great, guys. Um, i got another story for you. Luke 5, verses 1 to 11 here. We're going to read this one too. Everybody still with me? Yes. So this is when Jesus calls his first disciples, okay? So verse 1, chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats there left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the, lo- the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little bit from shore. Then he, put down the, sorry, then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had just taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. When I first, uh, I still remember the first time reading those kind of stories. I'm like, dude, just left everything and, and followed this guy? I'm like, really? I'm like trying to picture this in my head. I'm like, it's pretty incredible. You know, you just leave everything behind and just go. Be like, I don't know if I could do that. Could you guys do that? I don't know. It would be hard, you know? So a little background, again, a little history. In their culture, when you're like five or six, you'd start going to school for a lot of the kids, right? And they would learn the Torah. The Torah is the first five books in the Bible. And they'd have to memorize all those books, right? So the best of the best who could do that would then learn the rest of the books all the way up from there to Malachi. And then the best of the best of the best of them would then go and find a rabbi that they could follow, right? And so that rabbi would have to figure out if this child was the best of the best of the best, and then he would tell him, come follow me, right? Because that was like being the cream of the crop, you know, being able to follow a rabbi. That was like everybody wanted to do that kind of thing like that, right? And if you weren't doing those kind of things, you were learning the family trade. So these disciples obviously are what? Not the best of the best of the best, of the best of the best, right? They're learning the family trade. They're, they're fishing, you know, um, which I absolutely love. You know, they obviously trusted God a lot or, or trusted Jesus a lot already because he refers to him as master, as rabbi. 
And he's like, if you tell me to do this, then I'll do it. But like these guys are good fishermen. You know, it's not like they're like me who will go out and go fishing, you know, every now and again and come up with an empty net all the time, right? You know, my dad's here, so I don't like saying those kind of stories. I always tell him I catch all these fish. But, you know, 90% of the time, I'm coming up with an empty net. And so then when Jesus is telling these guys, again, good fishermen, go out there and they're like, Jesus, like, best time to go fishing is when we were just fishing and this was the best spot and we caught nothing. But again, because you said it, we'll do it, right? We need to be trusting Jesus, okay? God might ask you to do something, but it might not make a lot of sense to you. But again, should we be obedient to his word? Of course, right? Because again, just because it doesn't make sense to us doesn't mean that it's, it's the right thing. Um, but anyways, they, they catch this miracle catch, right? It's that like 20-pound fish on your line that makes you feel like, oh my goodness, this was amazing. This made like the whole night worthwhile, right? Their nets were breaking. They get in another boat. They're sinking, right? This is a crazy catch. More fish than they've ever caught before. They haul it up onto the shore, and Jesus is like, come follow me. And they just left this miracle catch right there on the beach. And if you're like me, who loves fish, there's a huge fish buffet going on on the beach now. So if you were like in there, you know, listening to Jesus teach, you just got a free fish buffet. Amen for that, you know. Like, Jesus, I don't know if I want to go. I might just want to eat this, you know, fish buffet that's going on since these guys are going, right? But what Jesus offered them is obviously incredible. You know, Jesus says, come follow me. So come learn, watch what I do, right? So you can learn my ways. And again, these guys aren't the best of the best of the best, right? This is an amazing opportunity for these guys because they're thinking for me for life is going to be learning the family business, right? I'm going to be a fisherman my life, my whole life, right? I'm going to teach my sons how to fish and all these kind of things. But all of a sudden, God opened a door and they took it. You know, sometimes you have to leave those things aside. Sometimes you have to put down things in your life and go follow him, even when amazing things happen. Um, I love it here. They're following Jesus, right? Jesus says, come follow me, what all the rabbis will say. But then Jesus gives them that extra little bit. He's like, I'll make you fisher of men. He's like, not only are you going to study, 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 not only are you going to learn, 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 but you're going to get hands-on experience. You're going to get to put into practice what you're teaching, right? Jesus goes a step above the other rabbis. You are actually going to get to do what you're learning, right? And I don't know about you guys, but I still remember being in high school and like grade 12 co-op was the best thing ever because it's like you just went from years and years and years of learning and learning and learning, never actually getting to put into practice things you're learning. And all of a sudden grade 12 rolls around. And it's just like, yeah, I get to get out of school for a while and actually put into practice things that I've been learning, right? We were all super excited for those days. And God's offering that. James 1.22, it says, be a doer of the word, right? Not only do we need to study, study, study this and learn it, learn it, learn it, but we need to be a doer of it as well. Amen? St. Augustine has this great quote. It says, to fall in love with God is the greatest romance to seek. Oh, sorry. To fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek him is the greatest adventure. I'll say it again. To fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek him is the greatest adventure. Ephesians 3.19 says, You may experience the love of Christ, 
may you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. The best decision we can make in our life is to answer that call to come follow him. It's the best decision we could ever make to come follow him. It's the greatest thing I can do as a husband. It's the greatest thing I can do as a father. It's the greatest thing I can do as a friend is to follow Jesus, right? Not only be a believer in Jesus, but to literally follow Jesus, right? Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. To seek the kingdom of God above all else means what? means to put God first in our life. So all this can sound great, right? It sounds really good this morning. It's just like, yeah, you know, I need to be hungry for God. It's really good. I know that's really, really important. But there needs to be practical steps in our lives to make these things happen, right? There needs to be practical things that we set forth in our life if we want to finish this race well, okay? Because we can just hear these messages. And again, it can be really, really good. You can feel motivated. You can feel encouraged at the end of the day. But if we don't make a difference sometimes, if we don't change things how we're doing, then what good is it? You know, it's like learning a new workout routine. You, you start up at the gym, you're like, yeah, I'm going to follow this workout routine. You know that it's really good for you. You know that this is going to be a really good decision in my life. It's important for me to exercise. It's important for me to be healthy. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to live longer. It's really good. But if that workout routine isn't practical, is it going to make a difference in your life? Probably not, right? Probably after a month of trying to keep up with this workout routine, you're probably, it's just not for me. You stop going to the gym. You know, those frequency to the gym gets less and less and less, right? Or following a new health program or like a new nutrition program, right? You know that this is really good. And yeah, again, it's going to be a good decision for me. It's going to make me healthier. It's going to make me live longer, right? You know that it's so important to do it. But if it's not a practical Nutrition program, is it helpful for you? Probably not, right? Okay? And it's like wanting more of God. You know that you know that you know that it's so important. It's exactly what I need is to want more of God. But if it's not practical in our lives, then it's not doing us a lot of good, right? So I'm going to give you guys some, some practical things this morning. But I really, really, really want to encourage everyone here to take time as we, as we go into ministry time later on. And as you leave today, as this week goes on, is to take time and really just pray to God and ask God, like, God, what are some practical steps for me, for myself? Because God is so personal. What are some practical things for me that I can do to start going towards that plan A. Go towards more of wanting more of you, God, because I want to finish this race well. I want to be hungry for more of you. Sounds good? Awesome. All right, so first one is to unplug. So this is when some people give me a dirty look, right? Unplugging, getting off the, the electronics and stuff like that. This cell phone, when I was a personal trainer, like I lived with this thing all the time. It was how clients would get a hold of me. I was an early morning riser, so like I started the gym at five o'clock training clients. And so for me, it'd be like, first thing I do is be grab my cell phone, 
Did I get any texts from my clients through the night? Did I get any emails from my clients at night? And because I did that for so long, it's a habit that I have of like, first thing I grab in the morning, sadly, is a lot of times is my cell phone. And I'm like, did I get any messages through the night? Did I get an email through the night, right? And what I think one of the most important things we can do is to set aside time in our life where that's just not there, right? First thing I'm grabbing isn't my cell phone, isn't my laptop, right? It's enjoying that quiet time I have with God. You know, and I'm not saying our cell phone's bad or anything like that. Don't get me wrong this morning. Don't put that on Facebook that Adam says all cell phones are bad and electronics are really, really bad, you know? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying set aside that time each and every day when we're unplugged from social media, right? So that takes us into practical step number two is we need to have a time of release, right? Because social media is all around us all the time. We're constantly hearing about the latest shooting that's happening, right? We're constantly hearing about all these bad things going on around us, you know, and we start to, to bear those kind of weights, you know, and that's not what we were created for. We weren't created to be the saviors of the world, right? Yes, we can make a difference, and yes, we pray into it, but again, you need to set aside time where you just release all those burdens, right? Okay? So I have these containers up here. My daughter made me a little uh, Lego house here this morning, and I get to be this little Lego guy. Um, he's got a beard. It's kind of hard for you guys to see probably, but he's got a beard. He's got a, a nice haircut, you know, has a great hairdresser. Uh, pretty stylish guy, I would say, as well. He's supposed to have a, a plaid shirt on, but I couldn't find it, so that's okay. Um, Malachi says, uh, my second oldest, he says he's yellow because he's been struck by lightning, but, you know, that's all right. I like to say my, one of my kids just highlight, colored me with highlighter anyways. But anyways, so I'm in my house here. I'm going to stand up, have a cup of coffee in my hand, of course, and... You know, when I'm trying to live life without God, you know, all of a sudden you start getting these bills that come into the mail, right? Your mortgage comes in. It's like, yep, mortgage there happens once a month. Cell phone bill comes in. Hydro comes in. Oh, my goodness. Heater, or gas, whatever comes in, you know. Unexpected car payment comes in. That's always fun, Right? Something happens to your house, you have a raccoon climbs up on your, your roof and puts a big hole in your roof. That happened to me this week. Add that to the list of pills that are going to have to be paid. Uh, you know, new shoes for the kids for school. Uh, this isn't a bill, but this is another worry of like, I'm not getting along with a coworker. That's bothering me this week. Uh, this person hasn't texted me back. That's bothering me, right? All of a sudden, we're being weighed down, right? You can't even see me in there anymore. I'm feeling so overwhelmed by everything that's going on around me, right? All those bills, all those things going on in my life, I just feel so overwhelmed by it that you can't even see me in here. Like, I'm in there, but I'm just feeling so stressed out that I'm hiding in a little ball in there. Um, but when we live a life where we're wanting more of God, right? When we're releasing all those things to God, all of a sudden we go from this little house to a much bigger property, okay? And I'm sure you can understand the, the thing here because all of a sudden when I have my, 
my mortgage comes in. Oh, no big deal. God's amazing. You know, hydro, it's all good. God's good. You know, another bill comes in, no worries. I'm just giving it all up to God. Car payments, no big deal. Oh, my car broke down. I'm going to laugh about it and praise God in the monks of that storm too because God's always good. I'm going to put that worship music on. I'm just going to praise him even louder. You know, I'm going to talk to my friend here that I haven't been getting along with because communication's really good, right? But all of a sudden, I can handle so much more because it's not just me, right? I'm giving it up to God, okay? All of a sudden, my, my little house may feel small and tiny, and I feel overwhelmed by everything going on around me. But when I'm living with wanting more of God in my life, all of a sudden I'm living in a mansion. You know, it may not look like a mansion on the outside, but inside, you know, it's the most beautiful place in the world. You got the, the Rocky Mountains behind me, you know. I'm like, just, I'm in heaven. Yeah. So... Next practical step, pray. You know, anytime I'm up here speak and I have some practical things, prayer is always on that list, all right? And I'm not talking about intercession prayer. I'm not talking about praying for, for everything that's going on in the world. I'm talking about personal prayer. I'm talking about the prayer from the cry of your heart, that all that stuff that's going on and just being like, God, Jesus, 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 I'm just laying out my heart at his feet, prayer. Okay, we want more of God. We want to finish this race well. We want to live that life that we are just pouring out our heart to the Father. And again, I've said this many times, it's like it's a big struggle for me is, is praying. But really, when I think about it, it's just me pouring my heart out. Okay? So, worship. I'm going to redeem the cell phone thing here now. Where did I put it? I lost it. Not a bad thing. Um, redeem this phone here, okay? I have an a app on my phone called Spotify. Who has Spotify in here? Handful of us, good, right? So I have this great app. I think it's like $10 a month or something like that. But it's just like you can get tons and tons of songs, right? New songs, all those kind of things, all these new worship songs, right? And you can create your playlist, all those things. Brighton was born two weeks ago. Those first few days, as we were saying, were obviously very traumatic for us. It was a hard couple of days, Day three, I just I had him in my arms. Amy was was resting and stuff like that, and I was just in his room, and I just put my phone on worship. And at first, I'd love to say I'm so holy that it's easy for me to worship and be like, yeah, I'm in the presence already. Right, first song, I'm in there, you know. But it took me a couple of songs to to engage. Right, it took me a couple of songs to be like, okay, God, I'm, I'm releasing this stuff to you. I'm giving you this stuff, you know. And all of a sudden, I start to feel that heaviness kind of come off a little bit, right? by song four or five, whatever it was, all of a sudden, I wasn't just singing the songs. I was making the songs my own, right? And I blessed my daughter, Aslan. She's amazing, but she's very vocal and tells me, Dad, you know you're not a great singer, right? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, talking about poking a little pin in your, your balloon there, I was feeling really good. Um, but it, no, honestly, though, it doesn't matter how I sound. Maybe I might never be up here, standing beside Melissa and Amy and anybody else on the worship team, but in my comfort of my own home, I'm going to belt it out, you know? I'm going to dance as David danced, maybe. Um, 
but all of a sudden, I started making those words my own, right? And I think it's so important when we do worship is making those words our own words, right? We're not just singing, we're not just singing verses on the, on the page or anything like that, right? You've got to make those words your own, right? You've got to declare those victories in our lives. And all of a sudden, as I was just crying out my heart to God, all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, my goodness. Like, I felt a dramatic difference. I felt a huge release. And it wasn't even that I started doing that expecting those kind of things. It was just my go-to is to put on my worship, right? And when those storms are hard, I think you got to crank up the music just a little bit louder. You know, you got to get over that. Like, I might not be the best singer, but I'm going to just belt my lungs out and cry it out to God and I'm just going to give him everything I have because that's all I know how to do, right? And then breakthrough happens. King Saul, right, tormented by spirits. What does he do? Give me the best musician out there. They bring David in there. What happens? Holy Spirit fills him up, you know. Peace, right? Saul's filled with peace. Worship changes the atmosphere. I, you know, I grew up playing basketball in high school. Anytime we had a big game, what would we put on? We'd put on Eye of the Tiger. We all know Eye of the Tiger, right? I was going to play it this morning, but, you know, I wasn't going to bug the guys. Um, but we play, we put on this huge like pump up song, right? And it would literally change how we felt. You know, we went from like, yeah, we're excited for this game. It's a big game. And all of a sudden, like you're jumping up and down, like, let's get out there. Let's play this, you know? And it was so exciting, right? So worship just changes the atmosphere. Music changes the atmosphere, which we're in. Uh, living in the moment. Jonathan Puddle, our, our kids pastor, has shared an amazing message several months ago. Uh, I think we're getting it up on our website here. You have to listen to it. It's a good message. Um, but we want to live in the moment, okay? You think of your spouse or somebody close to you. What's your relationship made of? Is it made up of a couple really big moments in your life? No, those moments do happen where we have these big moments, but it's those day-to-day encounters we have with our spouse. I'm referring to our spouse, but again, you can refer to as somebody close to you. You know, it's those day-to-day coffee dates that you'd have. When I worked at the gym, I had generally afternoons off. I'd come home around 2 o'clock. Amy and I would always sit down and have a coffee together. And it really, you know, really built our relationship strong, right? We looked forward to those times. Uh, If you want to be, again, I'm going to go back to being a rock climber here. You just don't go and climb Mount Everest. You know, you just don't have this thought pop in your head, like, yeah, I'm going to go climb Mount Everest today, right? It's that day to day, day after day after day of doing pull-ups, of training for it, right? It's a day after day after day event. And it's like that walk with God as well. It's the day after day of having that intimate relationship with the Father is what creates that relationship. It's not just a couple of big moments with God that sustains that relationship. It's a day after day after day event, okay? And the last thing here before we pray is to find people that are hungry, So like Elisha, you know, he's like, I value what Elijah has. I want that. So I am going to follow this guy until I get what he has. And not only do I want what he has, but I want more of what he has. You know, several months ago, we did a healing service here. And I was like, all right, who do I know that I really respect their anointing and healing that's like fairly close around me that I could get to pray for him? And I was like, well, Steve Long. You know, I really respect his anointing. So I'm like, I emailed Steve Long up. I'm like, Steve, I need you to pray for me. We're doing a healing service. You know, I respect your anointing, and I want it. 
And so the next day, Steve's like, yeah, I'm free at this time. You come up here, I'll pray for you. So I drove up to Toronto. Now that's maybe not like too extreme, right? Driving to Toronto is like an hour away. But again, it's having those people in your life that you really respect the anointing that they carry. You really respect that hunger that they carry. And you stick on them like glue. And even if they say, all right, you can go home now, you don't listen to that. No, joking. <laughs> joking. Respect, right? But again, surround yourself with people that you, wanna, you want that anointing, right? Surround yourself with people in your life that are going to stretch you. Because it's so easy to be in our comfort zones, and it's so easy to sometimes, where we think we're satisfied where we are, that's just like, yeah, I don't need to do anything right now. But you want to surround yourself with people that are going to pull you up higher, that are going to encourage you, that are going to create that hunger to continue to flow in you. Um, I think I heard it once that it's like hire a tour guide. You know, hiring somebody that's going to get you from point A to point B in your life. And I was like, I, I like that analogy. You know, surround yourself with that tour guide that's going to help you get from that point A to where you are to get over to where you want to be.